0: Everybody and welcome to minute 92 of season five of Movie Our Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-kai our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Mark Hoffmeyer from Movies, Films, and Flicks, and from both the Deep Blue Sea podcast
1: and the Con Air Pod. Welcome back to the show, Mark. I want some mashed potatoes right now. I am hungry. All this fake (laughs) snow in this chapter is making me hungry for mashed potatoes, movie Rob. And why not? You know, it makes. Uh, I've never been on a film set where mashed potatoes were used, and I wish I could. I wish I could be on one of those sets. What do you mean?
0: You just like pick it up and start eating it like normal would like you'd be eating snow or something like that? No, I just like like, someone like Clark Kent does when he's on his way up to the North Pole, you know, just you see him eating snow on the side of the road.
1: As someone as someone who just likes film, I I would like to see the consistency of the potatoes and how they look on set. And I would also like to see how they work in hot temperature because it would just melt and you have potatoes Mm -hmm. everywhere. So it's it seems like a high risk, high reward gamble to put potatoes down mashed potato flakes when your need fakes, no. And I like it. High risk, high reward. Good job, Rennie Harlan. <laughs> do, do they still use them in movies? You
0: think? Yeah, of course. Cause I, I mean, mean, I, they look I, mean I know that, I know that like in the
1: forties, they use them a lot. They would, they would actually bleach them. I mean, listen, foam looks like crap. Paper looks okay, but sometimes it looks, I think paper works okay in places like Antarctica where it's just a frozen wall where, you know, like get some foam, spray paint it and when nothing melts, but in, in a, a world like this, I think mashed potatoes are best because they can still melt. They still look decent with water. The consistency's right. If you just use paper, paper kind of looks fake and it doesn't stick. Good Right. paper. Like you, you know, fake snow when you see paper it just doesn't look right and you know foam too you're like oh man that's foam on the person's head so yeah i think potato i think taters i think napoleon dynamite would be proud of (laughs) of to potatoes as fake snow okay that's fair so minute 92 begins
0: with the snowmobile coming in from the distance and ends with stewart beginning to load up his gun Ooh. So yesterday we we ended things with uh, you know John has killed two more of the henchmen and he is now uh, riding a snowmobile like he is John Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Literally, like I know mm-hmm. you it's it's great. past episode. That's right. That's right. So, you know, the first of all the, the the opening shot of this minute is great because it's it you know the cameras just standing in one spot and and then we have the snowmobile fly by it by it, you know they come closer and fly by it, but I mean, I think they used way too much water here <laughs> you know they, they they it looks like he's he's it, it you know goes back to what we were talking about yesterday, it looks like he's jet skiing, it does not look like he's completely snow skiing,
1: oh no, yeah, this is bad here, way too much water, and then the water like splashes out at the at the camera, you know. <laughs> And 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 I think this shows a fatal flaw of of snowmobile chases is that you can tell that these snowmobiles are not going fast, and there's several shots that linger on the snowmobiles driving for at least ten to twelve seconds. Yeah. And one thing one thing I'm really interesting that I learned uh, about filming chases was on Top Gun Maverick, and I, I studied that movie as much as I could, and what they did on Top Gun Maverick was Airplanes in the air, they don't look great because it's just they're in the air. You have no idea how fast they're going. So they put it in the trench and they put cameras low on the ground to show the speed of the planes and to show the planes going past trees, past canyons, past other things that you could compare. So when you watch, you know, if, if they're just in the air, you're like, I have no concept of how fast this is. But if you put some things on the ground or say cars and they blast past them, you're like, Oh, I have a reference for how fast this is going. So there are several wide shots in this, like where, when McLean's catching up to them, like it's a legitimate 12 seconds and he's moving pretty slow. But I think the best shot in this comes at 28 when they blast past the camera and whatever it is, the smoke or whatever they lay down shoots up. It gives you a real sense of the speed. And I think that's, That's the best shot of this chase that actually makes you feel some. At like 28 through 30, Looks great, but then they spend six seconds having a train catch up, but it still looks good because it's on the ground and it gives them a reference for how fast it's going. Yeah. So I think that's the best shot in this minute. And I know we have to get there. No,
0: but we're we're, we're pretty pretty much there because there isn't much that goes on here. I mean, this is a minute where it's just, you know, it, it, it's funny that that the, the script mentioned yesterday, you know, the fact that it looks like he's on a horse because it really does look like someone who's on a horse that's chasing, you know, someone else who's on a horse. That's more or less what's going on here. You know, yeah. he's, he's – and, and we, we never really know the the exact distance between, you know, Stewart and, uh, you know, the, the, the four guys that are left alive there. You know, you got Stewart, Miller, Khan, and Esperanza. You know, we don't know how far, uh, how far ahead of John they really are because they, they never give us an established shot of, you know, John and them in the same frame. It's either they show yeah. us John and John is like huffing and puffing trying to get to them or you see them and they're running away from John, you know, that type of thing. And that's pretty much how that's this whole minute point. is. I mean, you, you just keep the, the shot keeps changing between them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Something We see Esperanza, Esperanza turn around at one point and look, look worried. You know, oh, he's catching up. <laughs> you know, it's like, but we don't really know if he is catching up or not.
1: And, and I think the studio work isn't great on this as well. As much as I love Rennie Harlan and never want to insult his name, the studio shots do not add too much to it. And you're right, they're never really in the same frame, so there's really no reference on how far away he is. Yeah, because he's way back. You know, if I was, well, there's actually at 22, we see him kind of far back. He's probably, what, 30 yards behind them, which doesn't make sense later because that guy still has time to turn around. That's right. Miller. And drive at him for several seconds. That's, That's right. right. So the geography's all over the place on this one. And I think, you know, we still have to understand that Rennie, it's cold. Rennie was still quite inexperienced and jet skis, like, you know, true lies, the jet ski, this, I'm sorry, the snowmobile. If I say jet ski, I just think I'm saying snowmobile in true lies. I think the snowmobile scene works so well because they're going past trees. There's a sense of danger there. So I think and a lot of the bond films too, I think they do a good job of keeping the camera close because I think a jet ski in a wide shot, isn't the most, isn't the sexiest thing, right? (laughs) and <laughs> just seeing it putts along the snow. So I'm, I, I like to think that maybe Rennie Harlan learned some lessons about action scenes while working on this. Because this minute's not, I don't want to hate. I'm not hating. But uh, if you just watch this on your own, you probably wouldn't, I don't know. You'd say, you'd say this is a jobs. really
0: boring movie. What's going on here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? like It's just a chase. This is a chase scene. That's so, all it is. Mm-hmm. But there's no car, there's no other snowmobiles on the road, right? There's no, <laughs> That's right. Um, they're not, they're not like, there's not like commuters coming home on snowmobiles in this scene. And like, there's a trucker snowmobile guy going, whoa, like, it's just bare roads. And I would have maybe sped up the frame rate a little bit, make them seem faster, get the camera closer. Right. I and mean, they have Charlie Peserni there who, I mean, that dude worked on everything. Like that guy is that guy could strap a camera to anything and shoot it. So right. maybe it was just the time that they ran out of. But I still I do love the shot. If like the, at what what did I say? 28 seconds. Yeah. Like that looks really mm-hmm.
0: cool. And and the music that's a really the music in this minute is also great because it it like oh, tries yeah, that's to true. to to raise the the tension of what's going
1: on. You know with the with with the, the you know what Michael in did here. You know it's just great. I think this scene only need I think this scene could have been twenty seconds, right? The good score cut to that really cool shot with the camera on the ground and then and then have Sadler be like, yo dude, go get him. Exactly. And then that's the scene. Exactly. I I, so, I, I agree. You know, but, but then I'm we but then we wouldn't have a minute to talk about here. So you yes, know, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I'm not hating. I love I requested this, but I think this is good because it, it showcases the pitfalls of snowmobile cinema. That's right. Like you, you need to have that. I, I think even Inception too. There's a danger because they're going downhill. There's a lot of armed guards. He uses a snowmobile to cut the wires off of the uh, Tom Hardy does. Like it, it's, uh, uh, yeah. Inception. That movie's about ninety percent
0: explaining. I think you just need to go to like a view to a kill and just have Beach Boys, you know, and that's it. Yeah. you know, that's
1: that's the way you do it. <laughs> Embrace the absurdity of it, right? That's right. Uh, Or even Triple X. There is, he's on skis, but then there's villains on snowmobiles, but they get get taken over by an avalanche. Right. Like, that's how you, that's, like, I think snowmobiles on their own aren't the greatest. But if you add trees and avalanche. And skiers. Zombies. (laughs) And skiers. (laughs) With machine guns. (laughs) And you're three levels down into a dream. There you go. Then you got it. That's right. Yeah. I don't think Rennie was there yet. I think it
0: makes sense. You know, he, he didn't he didn't come up with that concept yet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but still. Yeah. I mean one of the things. Mobile action scene. I mean you've you've listened to the commentary on this movie. So Rennie says so many times that that a lot of the scenes in this movie everyone will look at nowadays and say, Oh, everyone does this, but they don't realize that he was the first to do it here. You know, that's what's amazing about it, how he keeps telling us that, you know, and it's 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 easy to believe, but it's hard to visualize because we've been inundated over the last 33 years with so many movies that use these same type of tropes of of action scenes. And to say, well, well, you know, Die Hard 2 was the first one that did
1: these things. But, you know, it's great thinking about the fact that Rennie was the one who did it. And, and listen, that's what I love about Rennie Harlan, first and foremost. And that's why I always get annoyed when people kind of insult Rennie Harlan or call him a hack. I was just watching a documentary called Sharksploitation, and it's on shutter right now. It's about the history of shark cinema. And by the time they got to Deep Blue Sea, they have nothing like, I'm telling you, filmmakers, film historians, PhDs, writers, they have nothing but love for Deep Blue Sea because. It, it gleefully takes Jurassic Park and Jaws and it puts kitchen fights in like I've shark fights a a shark fights somebody in a kitchen. Like Rennie Harlan is the king of seeing like, hey, I saw something new like in Long Kiss Goodnight, which is another great cold oh, yeah. Rennie Harlan mm-hmm. film. She is on ice skates chasing down a car. There's a car chase with her on ice skates. I think that and he wisely gives jets uh, snowmobiles a very minimal. Of of screen time as well, which works. But he he's a guy who in Cliffhanger has Stallone the beginning. Let's think about the beginning when they're on the rope, or they had a guy go from an airplane to another airplane for real. Yes, for real mm-hmm. in Cliffhanger. Yeah. And the finale of Cliffhanger, it's two people fighting each other on an upside down helicopter on the side of a cliff that's attached to a staircase. Yes. Like Rennie Harlan. Is a guy even even prison even Nightmare on Elm Street four, he is a man who will go to incredible lengths to give audiences something that they haven't seen before. I think like in every single Rennie Harley move a Rennie Harlan movie you watch, there's going to be something that you go wow that was cool. Like he's that guy. Even Cutthroat Island, which which bums me out that it wasn't people hate it so much. It the final fight between Gina Davis and Oh man, I forget his name, but the guy, it's incredible. Like they're on top of a boat sword fighting and they're actually there. So as I know, I'm hating on snowmobile action scenes, but this is a guy with the ejection seat and that explosion. I mean, that's iconic. Yes. They drop a dude from a helicopter onto a plane. I know you're not there yet, but like Rennie said in the commentary, like he says many times, I did this first and, and people need to respect that. I did. I, I just, it annoys me. No, I, I, I agree. I agree.
0: I mean, you just were talking before about the, you know, in Cliffhanger how they use, you know, the, the, uh, oh, what's it called, the the wire to to go across, the zip wire, the zip line to oh, go yeah, across. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Now, okay, you think about that in the movie and stuff like that, and then, you know, three or year, uh, four years later, they did the Air Force One where they do that again, and it, they do it great. But when you think about it. Yeah. Now you know you, you don't make the connection it takes a while to make the connection saying, "Oh wait a second, Cliffhanger did this four years ago you know it it doesn't it doesn't diminish how great it is in Air Force One because Air Force One has them doing a zip line as the plane is descending and is about to crash,
1: so it's a little different yeah, I mean, they still did it, and listen, when you go back to the beginning of cinema I mean they did a trip to the moon now there's like the, Uh, there's there's the 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 great train robbery. Mm -hmm. there's the creature universal creature features there's the pre-code gangster films there's scarface that was made pre-code i mean nosferatu got made because the guy couldn't get credit he couldn't get the dracula bram stoker's dracula so he switched his name to corn Corn, orlock so i think i look at movies right is like any sports game any chess match any any anything where like, it's the same concept, right? You go to a soccer game, and it's eight different teams. The ball still gets kicked. You score goals. There's offsides. Most of the teams have a striker. Some don't. Some have a false nine. But there's still the same rules. There's no handballs. But every game is different. So I'm totally cool with more movies borrowing. Yeah, I mean, of course. Look at Tarantino. Like, look at, look at Rennie and Jurassic Park. Like, you do pay homage to these films, but it's... Yeah, I don't, I don't. But like you said, I, when I watch Air Force One, I'm like, this movie rocks. That's right, exactly. <laughs> this movie is great. And and you know what? It's kind of nice. Like like I did it. I did. I was one of the people who did it first. But I also, but he also borrows elements from his films for other films. Yeah, of from from other. Well, they. You know, that's but, what um, they all do. You know, it's it's just. But the yeah. idea
0: is to borrow and change it a little bit to make it still unique on your own.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the John Wick guys have been great at that, right? Yeah. Like for sure. they did. They enter the dragon. They ripped off, not ripped off. Enter the dragon. Skyfall. Villainess. Like they, they, they find scenes they like and they recreate them in a different way. That's right. That's what cinema mm-hmm. is. It's it you know, uh, people pattern their play after Kobe. People pattern their play after Jordan. People pattern their play after Isaiah Thomas. Right. It, it you can be your own, but yeah. True. I I, it's a, I say this every time I talk about Rennie Harlan. I get so like people just want to brush this guy off, but he's a dude from Finland. And you've talked about this born American yeah. where on DBS, where this guy hustled, man, this guy didn't have the nepotistic. No. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, he, like he, he didn't have a rich uncle in the States. Like he just showed up with his long locks, had a movie, pitched it, made prison, made nightmare on Elm street 4. like, this is a guy who worked his way up and got to the top. like, not the top of the world. Well, yeah, he made the largest budgeted film that's ever. That's right. So. At the same time uh, that he was. That's why I love and, he was, and, and
0: don't forget, he was making two movies at the exact same time. You know, he was doing Ford Fairlane at the same time that he's doing this one. <laughs> you know, obviously, oh, it's, it's heaven yeah. and earth between the two of them. Completely <laughs> very far mm-hmm. apart. But still. Yeah. And, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, Andrew Dice Clay. But I mean, there's still some good shark stuff. Robert Englund's good in it. Yes. <laughs> so that makes me happy, but it's, it, it, it you know, this scene. I, I know I kind of talked about the the snowmobile stuff, but I think he learned learned from it later. Like I, you could see how he's had learned throughout his career and adapted. And, yeah. and I I can't tell you how happy I was to see Deep Blue Sea getting so much love on that documentary. I, I got I gotta watch it. It, it, it sounds, sounds really interesting. I gotta watch it. I'll I'll let you know what they, I think. They, of they it. go back to the early 19 yeah. They go back to the early 1900s. And talk about early shark cinema. It's really oh great. wow, I love it. And Roger Corman, and it's so cool. Oh wow, All right, you got me sold on that one. Um,
0: I'm, I'm I'm gonna go watch that tonight. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Okay.
1: <laughs> I know it doesn't have anything to do with Die Hard too.
0: It doesn't have so to. Great. And Roger doesn't have to. That. You know. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know we we one of the things that we all like doing is talking about movies and we love talking about movies that we love and you know you you and Jay love Deep Blue Sea and Con Air much more than I do, but that doesn't negate the fact that I still enjoy those movies and you know if you tell me that you saw a documentary that talks. You know, exclusively about it. It talks about sharks in movies. So why not check it out? You know, there's there's no reason not to. That's so good. And I, for me, you know, spending an hour and a half, two hours watching any movie is is time well spent, especially when, a, when it's recommended.
1: That's right. Fun. Especially when it's recommended by a good friend. So why not? That's right. That's right. And I have a question. Uh, you've probably talked about it, but what do you feel about the action films of 1990? Like, what's your. There, there, not much happens in this chapter. So, I mean, we can, uh, sorry, if you want to cover the chapter, then talk about it. But, like, what's, what's like your 1990s? Like, if you had to do a film. Wait, you're talking about, three you're talking 90s, about just 1990 or you so you're talking you, about throughout the entire. 1990, like one year, one year, 1990, and you had to pick three action films for a. A or action adjacent films for a film festival. Which three would you? Okay, pick? am I, am
0: I allowed to pick Die Hard too or not? Yeah, of okay. course, of course. All right. So in in no particular order, it it uh, you know it, that's actually a very simple question to answer. You know, so you you got this movie. Ooh, let's hear it. You got Total Recall. All right, those 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 are definitely my top two for that one. And th- the mm-hmm. question is whether uh, I don't know. Can Can Goodfellas be considered an action movie? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. No, 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 no,
1: right. I mean, there's there's death and stabbings and stuff, but I wouldn't right. call it an okay. action okay. picture. No, that's fair.
0: Um, all right. So, what else would would uh, would, would I want to put in that one from 1990? I mean, those two were 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 within a second. I I knew that those two were on that list. I mean, I I liked Hard to Kill, but I don't know if that really uh, is is
1: that far up. To, um okay how about hunt for an october there you go oh i'm covering that on mff with norbert Morvan Ooh. sometime soon so that's a great picture right yeah, there so th- those those would be my okay. three. what would be your three so i immediately thought of tremors total recall and die hard 2 but then i also thought this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do three 1990 movies that people might not have watched too much i'm gonna take red surf which is it has george clooney and it's a crime caper with jet ski action Ooh. in it. I'm going to take Red Surf. I'm going to do Firebirds. The oh, Cage, I hated Apache that helicopter movie. Movies. <laughs> I hated it. It's yeah. terrible. Where he just screams, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. And the, the coup de grace is Dark Angel or I Come in Peace starring Dolph Lundgren. Okay, yeah. Where I've seen that. He has to stop intergalactic drug yes. dealers from coming to Earth and stealing... Uh, like people's people's what um bodily you just talked about that you just talked about on that on the front.
0: finale of yeah
1: yeah and then uh lamb cast i i was a guest on that so i covered that so i'll say i come in peace firebirds and red surf just so everyone can be like what are you yeah. showing me and why are we not watching die hard too <laughs> well my my but my number yeah that's my i just realized
0: my... what my number four would be though on that list so that you know i just gave you the three the top three with the hunt for october Total Recall and Die Hard 2, Number four has got to be Navy Seals. Navy Seals was such a—it's a, it's a oh, stupid yeah. movie, but it is so much fun. You know, and seeing Charlie Sheen in in an action role like that, it's just great. You know, like when when when, when he jumps Charlie out of Sheen, Michael yeah, Bean, sorry, When right? Charlie Sheen just jumps out of the jeep, you know, and and dives off the bridge, that's just nuts.
1: So are you changing it? Or are you sticking I'm with the original with 3 sticking with it. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you picked a way better. Yeah. I think people would be angry at me for coming to my film <laughs> festival. But <laughs> yeah, I think I'm still. Uh... Yeah. I don't know. I I, 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 It's fun. I'm happy with the movies. Good. I picked, that's so... important. That's, that's yeah. very important, Mark. You need to be happy with the movies you pick.
0: Yeah. You know, you... I am the greatest. <laughs> Have you seen Red Surf?
1: It's I wait TV.
0: Red Surfers that come in peace. That's what you're saying? Or no? Oh. No, no, no.
1: Uh, Red Surf is the George Clinton oh, no. crime paper. I've, I've never not seen it. very that. good. Should should I waste an hour and a half watching that one? Uh well, can you background my I could background? I could if I wanted to. Yeah. yeah, I would background it. All right. I would do that. It's surfers and drug dealers, Remar and Attila, are in the process of setting up a deal with a local drug lord, Calavera when their friend Tom True Blue is busted by the cops. Blue says too much while custody, and Calavera once sets out for revenge.
0: All right, well, I, I got to disappoint you a little bit, but on IMDb, that's 1989. Not 1990, but, but uh, you know, I will still check it out. All
1: right, good. Well, well oh, it does say 89. But why does it say 90 on my thing? Wait, right on movie it says 90. I don't know. Let me see the release date. I'm sticking with it. No, but it a release date again. MDB
0: goes according to if it was in a film festival, and that you know, so that would be the release date. So it doesn't, no. uh, yeah. you know that that doesn't help from
1: that perspective. I'm changing the rules: a theatrical release or a TV release, not just one. Yeah, film it was, it was
0: it had a video premiere in December '89 in Sweden. Okay, I, really? I have a feeling that that's just complete bullshit. No, that that's my guess. Because, you know, it it was in the Houston Film Festival on April 21st, 1990 in the U.S. I have a very, very hard time believing that it came out on video in 1989 in Sweden. You know, I don't know. You know, I I know that I can go into IMDb and correct that, but, you know, (laughs) I don't think, I I don't really, it's not that important. (laughs) (laughs)
1: i paid a i paid a bunch of money for the uh red surf vinegar syndrome thing too so i gotta recommend it i gotta play it somewhere Uh also this is really random but i just bought johnny mnemonic in black and white i bought a cut of johnny mnemonic (laughs) you know sometimes you gotta live on the edge my friend (laughs) okay that's true I'm actually starting a Dolph Lundgren. So on MFF, every twenty-fifth episode we do Kurt Russell. Now every twenty-sixth episode, it's so like one twenty-six, you know, like yada yada. Um We are doing a Dolph Lundgren Ooh, episode. Okay. So. All right. We're, we're that, starting makes that.
0: that makes sense. That makes sense. Just uh you know, he's not that good in Creed, but whatever. That's. <laughs>
1: Ooh, Dolphy's so good at that final finale when they're smiling and running. Oh. Nah, I still like that. Uh, you
0: know, I I'll, I'll still uh, go with with him and uh, you know Rocky Ford director's cut.
1: That, that 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 would be my guess. Oh yeah, that's a good. That, well, That'd be my pick there. Well, that's a movie. Have you seen the hour and a half long documentary about um Dolph, uh Sylvester Stallone cutting the the nope. director's cut? It's an hour and a half. Oh on wow. And he just talks about the mistakes he made and why he the did the mistakes things. he made and then or the mistakes he made now. It's very honest. Uh, then and why he's fixing it now. It's a very open. It's very honest. And if you're if you're kind of into film and editing, I think you'll dig it. Oh, wow. All right. I will definitely check that out too. See, there you go. You, you keep giving me more and more things to watch. <laughs> I just like documentaries because for podcast prep, I like to hear from their own like words. Oh, yeah. own words. I, you know? I completely agree with you on that. I love documentaries. Some of
0: them, some of them are great. All right, so let's let's get a little bit back to Die Hard too. We do have a little bit more to talk about in this minute. So at a certain point, you know, we see uh, Stewart also looks back, you know, at at uh, John, who, based on Stewart's reaction on his face, John's getting a little closer, but we can't really see that you know, by looking at the screen. And then he turns and screams, "Miller, take him! I'll cover you," which it's it makes. No sense whatsoever, but okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll cover, cover you. It. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I, I've actually never thought about this, even before when, when we mentioned the character of Miller, you know, who's played by uh, Cur- uh, Vandy Curtis Hall, right? And do you know that Miller is the seventh most common surname in the U.S.? I never really thought about that. What would you think would be the first six?
1: Smith, Jones. uh... Well, I don't know. That's Smith and Diaz. No.
0: Okay, Smith and Jones are definitely there. So first of all, um, one out of every 25 Americans is named either Smith johnson williams brown jones miller or davis those are the wow those are the top ones yeah that that's just sense. crazy <laughs> and and did you know that this is the most it's the most uh, common amish surname which hmm. i never thought about that one jones no not jones miller <laughs> oh miller <laughs> miller
1: well, they're Millers, right? Well, it, it, comes, it the comes, comes from, from? The,
0: the, the Swiss name Mueller. So, oh. the, the A lot of Swedish. <laughs> Swedish Amish people. So, <laughs> Miller does, does a really cool stunt after, after he's given this order by Stewart. I mean, he finds a way to actually spin his snowmobile around. You know, he doesn't turn it around. He doesn't stop. Yeah, that He was just like cool. turns, you know, he turns turns the handlebars, you know, to 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 the left and just does like a, a one eighty while he's doing that, which which is pretty cool that the stunt man was able to do that. And and then we get a shot where we can actually see the skid marks that he that he makes. You know, because we we see a shot of of Khan and uh, Esperanza, you know, riding. So we see right behind them the the, the circular. Skid marks. I guess it's from. Uh, let's let's hope it's from Miller and not from like some crew member or something like that. And then and then the the two uh, snowmobiles that are still stand that are that are leading, they both slow down and you know they find it, a, a really really low area <laughs> to hide behind. You know they have this this like little tree, which you can't really you know not... It, it's not doing much camouflage good here. You know, but they 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 no. pull over to no, the no side. No. You know, and then you know Miller is still uh, uh, apparently charging at John, but we'll have to wait until tomorrow to find out exactly what he's doing. And then we we see John start coming. Sorry, actually, you know, we see one of the this we see a snowmobile coming, and we don't know if it's John or Miller because they're shooting. It's it's in the distance. We don't know. Yeah. And then Stewart, they get a shot of Stewart standing up. Now I mentioned the fact on on Friday. That, you know, everyone else has, like, hats and, uh, uh, what are they called? B- Bavlakavas? You know. Balaklavas, Balaklavas? Right? The You know, the ski masks. Uh, but Stuart's the only one who doesn't so that we always can recognize him. You know, he's got to have just the goggles. <laughs> the goggles and the hair. So this way we know it's him. So he turns around and, like, picks up his gun. And we see that he is starting to take out the, you know, the the blue... Magazine, which I gotta tell you it's it's a little strange that they hadn't switched their guns at this point i mean they when they were in the church, we saw that they they all put in blue from red, but you'd think when they're on the run they would change that in order to you know why yeah. why keep riding with i mean even the two seconds as you're getting on the snowmobile you know get on the snowmobile switch switch uh switch ammo clips, but I don't know. What can I tell you? And, and that's how this minute
1: ends. Did you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? No, I mean, listen, this is just, it's a minute of jet skis that's and right. snowmobiles.
0: That's right. I love it.
1: And the Even script more. is
0: four lines
1: of, uh, of
0: snowmobiles. It says, uh, a wide shot. John is coming up to the rear of the other vehicles. A big bounce over a mogul. I don't know what that is. M-O-G-U-L. Do you have any idea what that is? No clue. As the the mobile, it doesn't even say snowmobile. It says as the mobile. It's like has an apostrophe M-O-B-I-L-E. As the mobile settles, McLean pulls the rifle forward. He steadies it alongside the windshield of the snowmobile. And that's it. That's all we get for this minute from the script.
1: It's an easy chapter to talk about. I'm very happy.
0: (laughs) Every chapter is easy to talk about. Come on. There's always something to talk about here. You know, even, we, we just proved it. Come on. <laughs> we yeah. had what? Yeah. We just had a chase scene for a minute. And we right. got a lot That's out of true. it. That's true. So every Tuesday, I have a segment called Disaster Tuesday, where what, uh, what 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 I've tried to do is try and find some interesting uh, uh, plane crashes that have happened uh, to famous people over the years. And... You know, discuss the the stories of what happened to them, stuff like that. And what I try to do is try and find something that has somewhat of a connection to um, my guest. All right. So uh, the one that we're going to discuss this week is a plane crash that happened in Leesburg, Florida. Do you have any idea where Leesburg, Florida, is? I know I know you grew up in Florida, and you're uh, you know you're in Atlanta, so you're not that far from it.
1: I I, I don't know.
0: All right, so th- this plane crash happened on March 18th, 1982, and it it happened to a very famous musical band. Okay. It's about Ozzy Osbourne's band. Have you ever heard this story mm. about what happened? No. Mm. Let's hear it. On March 18th, 1982. Ozzy Osbourne and his band played in Knoxville uh, Civic Coliseum, and they they were heading to a festival in Orlando called the Rock Super Bowl Number Fourteen. Basically, their bus was having uh, problems with the air conditioning unit, so they they stopped in a place in in a place in Lees, Leesburg, Florida, okay, which was known as the Flying Baron Estates. All right, now Ozzy Osbourne was asleep in in the. In in the, the bus while it was getting fixed, and one of the guys in the band, the bus driver, name was uh, Andrew Aycock. Okay, so while they were waiting to get the air conditioning fixed, he decided that since the the place that they were at, there was it was it was a property owned by the Calhoun Brothers Tour Bus Company, and they had an airstrip there with helicopters and small planes. So Andrew Aycock decided he he had a uh, a, a, a plane license, and he decided to basically steal a Beechcraft plane, you know, take it up for a joyride. So, on the first flight, he took keyboardist uh, Don Airy with him and the tour manager Jake Duncan. They they were, you know, they were there up with him. And ACOC decided while he was flying that he was going to buzz the bus. An attempt to wake up the drummer tommy aldridge so he buzzed the bus a few times and then landed then then he decided he's gonna go up again and this time he decided he was gonna take up uh randy rhodes and uh who who was uh uh what was randy rhodes so he was a guitarist and rachel youngblood who was the makeup artist now rhodes himself was actually afraid of flying and didn't want to get in the plane but he was convinced that he can take some great aerial photos of the countryside if he does that. Uh, they, they tried to coax Bassist uh, Rudy Sarzo also to join him, but he decided that he'd rather go back to sleep and get, some, get more sleep on the bus. So the, the second flight they, they took off. And they buzzed the tour bus uh, numerous times. And they made they they had two very close passes, and on the third uh, pass they actually botched it, and one of the plane's wings clipped the top of the tour bus, and it uh, broke uh, broke the wing into two, and it uh, the plane spiraled out of control, and basically uh, uh, hit hit a, a tree and then crashed into a, a nearby mansion. And it uh, burst into flames, you know, killing all three Aww. All three of them. Rhodes, actually, the, the night before, was got into an argument about the fact that he was drinking a lot. And basically, Ozzie, I think it was Ozzy Osbourne said to him that, uh, you know, you're going to kill yourself one of these days. You know, not knowing that it was the next day that that was what was going to happen to him. You know, that he was gonna get into this uh, Jeez, to this 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 crazy I mean come on, think about it. We're, you know, this is this is you know, we're we're talking about a plane crash because the guy hit a bus. Unbelievable. So it, it woke up Sharon Osbourne, who was uh, sleeping on the bus. And you know, she, she's quoted as saying that, that there were body parts all over the place from the from this crash. Don Airy, the the keyboardist, was actually the only member of the band who actually witnessed it because everyone else was basically sleeping. And he was basically taking pictures of the plane that he was going to give to Rhodes to show him, you know, Rhodes was taking pictures from the plane. He was taking pictures of the plane, you know, stuff like that. They claimed uh, the plane itself was nearly perpendicular, about six feet off the ground at one point. And that it then, uh, you know, clipped the bus and crashed into the tree, which is just uh, crazy.
1: What a maniac. Yeah, seriously. He
0: took others with him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there 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 they, they, there's a strong suspicion that that he was high at the time. The the driver, the the pilot, acock you know. So, I, I mean, the whole thing's just just completely nuts about how that 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 whole thing happened. And I mean, there are there are rumors that that they that they say that it wasn't necessarily an accident. That it was something that he wanted to do because apparently his estranged ex-wife was there, and he was possibly aiming the plane at her to try and hit her. Whoa. No, nobody really knows. And and uh, Don Airy claims that you know it's that he thinks he saw a, that there was a fight going on in the cockpit between Rhodes and and Acox. You know, maybe Acox was saying, "I'm going to go kill her," and he was trying to stop him or something like that. So we have absolutely no idea. You know, they they think that maybe Rhodes was able to 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 change the trajectory of the plane so that it wouldn't hit the, the, the bus directly or something like that. I mean, again, this is just a crazy story. You know, it's, it's, crazy. it's one of the things that just shouldn't have happened. That's what it comes down to. No. You know, yeah. Some, sometimes you have plane accidents that, you know, there's nothing you can do about them, but this one for sure. But,
1: you know, I saved it for you because I knew you love these crazy, crazy stories. Uh, you know, that happened in Florida. <laughs> Sounds about right. I mean, that's a Tuesday and you're doing this on a Tuesday. So it makes that's sense. That's right. <laughs> it's very true, very true. All
0: right, Mark, do you want to tell people once again where they can find uh, Mark Offmar?
1: Yeah, uh, movies on and Flicks, Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, and then just my other stuff that's around. You can find me. All right, great. And while you're doing
0: that, you can find you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie around Minute. You can find me on my website, movieroundminute.com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. So. Until tomorrow,
1: yippee-ki-yay! Yippee-ki-yay! If
0: you're fond of sand dunes and salty air Quaint little villages here and